If you have a school-aged daughter, then you know all too well the perils of friendships, cliques, and girl drama. Are you frustrated with the tears and the fights and the complaints of feeling left out? On this episode of Brainy Moms, Terry and I interview Jessica Spear, author of the book BFF or NRF, A Girl's Guide to Happy Friendships. We explore topics of gossip and drama and hear from Jessica about some ways to help girls navigate difficult friendships and nurture the important ones. Join us for some great tips from an expert in social science and school-age relationships. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Brainy Moms. I'm Dr. Amy Moore, here with my co-host, Terry Miller, coming to you today from a very sunny Colorado Springs, Colorado. And our guest today is just down the road from us in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Her name is Jessica Spear, and she is the author of the award-winning book, BFF or NRF, Not Really Friends, A Girl's Guide to Happy Friendships. This book grew out of her friendship program that strengthens social awareness and helps kids learn to navigate common struggles. She has a master's degree in social sciences and explores social-emotional topics in a way that connect with preteens and teens. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here with us, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. So I want to hear about what brought you to this topic in your life, being a specialist on friendships for preteen and teenage girls. Tell us a little bit about your personal story. Sure. And, you know, like a lot of personal stories, I didn't really set out to be, you know, really an expert in this. Um, I'm a mom of two girls who are now teenagers. And when they were in elementary school, I started to notice some changes in their relationships. Things were sitting a little more, things were getting more complicated. Um, There was more conflict and strife um, and discomfort. And so that reminded me so much of my experiments experience at that age. I was thinking, oh yeah, I so remember this. Um, And I've got a background in social sciences. So I got really curious and I dove into research, found some wonderful books that helped, you know, to guide myself and guide my daughters through this time. And I, as I was doing that, um, I realized there were some things I wanted to share, not only with my daughters, but with other kids. So I started a friendship program in elementary schools um, that really honed in on healthy friendships and some of the, the topics that I thought would help. And that, you know, fast forward eight years grew into a book and that's where we are today. So cool. So this started when your older daughter was in elementary school. Right. So I would say about third, second, third grade, things started to get really Mm -hmm. tricky, you know, Um, and, and I was thrown off a little bit, you know, things had been such smooth sailing, you know, your typical strike, but then things got a little more complicated. And I felt a little under-equipped as a parent, even, you know, really studying relationships, but not knowing how to help at that age. How do we help our our daughters, our sons at that age, navigate, um, you know, struggle in their relationships and, and build skills so they can form and maintain healthy friendships. So before we start talking about how we do that, can you talk a little bit about why struggles with friendships are so common in the preteen and teen years? Yes. Um, And so there's a really important shift that starts to happen for kids. And it happens um, for every kid at a different 
you know, period, of course, because they're all developing at different stages. But for girls, sometimes this starts to happen in late or late elementary school. Sometimes it starts to happen in middle school and it just depends. And there's a lot of things going on. So one thing going on is they're starting to put more weight in their friendships. Um, they're pulling away from their families a little bit with individuation. So they're starting to look for more in their friendships, more support, more connection. Um, so that's happening at the same time that they're starting to really reflect on themselves and their identity, you know, such as who am I and, you know, who are my friends and what do I like to do, you know, and, and this is the stage where maybe relationships aren't based so much on play and proximity, such as like who you're close to. Um, it's really based on shared interests and things you like. Um, so that, of course, all those things, you know, compound on each other to, you know, create a lot of change. Um, so that's when we as parents start to see friendships that we thought, oh, this is such a great friendship. I could see this lasting forever. The next thing you know that, oh, actually that, that friendship is no longer there anymore. You know, so we were kind of taken aback by that, but something really important is going on there. This big developmental shift where they're really starting to put more weight in their friendships, you know, start to learn how to be a good friend, how to, um, you know, what they're looking for in, in friendships. So yeah, so of course, it makes sense that this is a tricky time for both kids and parents. Yeah. So as that identity is being formed, they're trying new things, testing out new areas. And so there'll be there'll be people that they relate to in each of those steps, right, of doing that. And so they may find, hey, this isn't for me. Therefore, this friend might not be for me as well. Mm -hmm. And that can cause some conflict. Yes. And it could be just some simple things. Like, so we might not pick up on this as parents, but it could be something that, um, you know, maybe this, a girl has a friend that really likes to gossip and, you know, and that makes her uncomfortable. Um, and she doesn't, you know, she tries to maybe mediate that situation, but she realizes, you know, this is not something that I really want um, to have as in a friend. So that might cause a shift. Another thing that might cause a shift is one kid might get way into phones and technology and the other is not even there yet. So, so they don't have a lot to connect on. You know, maybe one person is way into crushes, you know, and, and the other one is, is not there yet. So there's all sorts of ways that they just could all of a sudden be a misfit. You know, it used to be so simple, just maybe playing tag and hide and seek on the playground. When all of a sudden, actually, you know, we're trying to connect on things that we really care about. And we, we seem to care about different things at this stage. So, so therein lies, you know, what starts to cause all of these friendships to kind of, you know, change up a little bit. So and not just interests or hobbies, but beliefs and values as well yes. as what I'm hearing you say. I mean, it could be, you know, that you have different um, religious beliefs that you have different, you know, morals that you have different rules in your house too, right? Yeah. Like how could yeah. that create conflict? Oh, and, and, you know, so kids are trying to figure out, yeah, you know, there's, they're seeing themselves, you know, more as individuals. So outside their family. So yeah, you're right. So if it's a value that makes them really uncomfortable, they might start to feel uncomfortable in that group. It makes sense. Um, you know, so this could happen on so many levels. Either they might even want to test out what it's like to be popular. You know, those with, with kids in, in elementary and middle school know that we start to hear that word a lot. And, you know, we could have a whole nother conversation conversation on that. But, you know, they might, there's a lot of, you know, who doesn't want to be in the group that's known and seen. So some kids might really strive to be in that group, you know, and their, you know, causes to shift up, you know, whatever relationships they had. Um, and again, they're just testing it out. They will, you know, I've, I've had so many kids, you know, actually 
you know, go along that path, try to be in this popular group. And then they get there and they realize, oh, actually, this isn't a great fit for me, you know, and then then they shift back out. But it was that experience that they learned, you know, they would not have learned that that wasn't a good fit had they not, you know, um, you know, tried to see if that actually was what was right for them at that stage. Yeah. So I have a 13 year old daughter, just like you do. Yes. And um, we read your book. We started working through it this past week. And it was really timely. Of course, uh, I was preparing for, um, you know, interviewing you and preparing for this episode. And I told my daughter, hey, I need you to work through this with me. You know, we're going to dig into this. And, you know, she's kind of, oh, you know, but we're like, I'm like, okay, we can do this. And I want to say to listeners to start off with, this is a really marvelous book because I felt like the design of it um, was really great that it's it's in little small chunks so that you're not sitting with your um, late elementary school or preteen daughter and they're not like overwhelmed with a book with all this text. So this sounds really silly, but even the fact that the font was large, there's only two or three sentences on a page. It's well, it's very large and whimsical font. Whimsical, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So it's very friendly. It's very... Um, approachable. Um, there's places to write in the book and you fill out, um, cert, you know, a, a little, uh, survey response test. Interactive. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was really, really helpful. And so pretty quickly she was into it. She found the value and, um, I'm going to bring up something I want you to address that what happened right away in the very first section is she ended up bawling her eyes out. No, wow. Very first section about um, what kind of friends do you have? And you talked about, let's do this, this survey um, on just one friend. And it's, it's a friend that she is struggling. It's the friendship that she's struggling with right now. And it brought up a lot of hard stuff. So talk about that, the, the tears, the emotion that can be so intense for girls at this time around friendships. Yes. And I, oh, and thank you for sharing that. That means so much to me. And oh, I love that. That was, you know, it was really intentional to make the books, you know, light and yeah, fun fonts and lots of space and not intimidating. Um, yeah. But you're right. It gets right to the heart of it. You know, chapter one is how healthy are my friendships? Um, and so it gets, I just wanted to dive right in because I found in my programs Girls, it's sometimes hard to know. We know as women, sometimes something doesn't feel right in a relationship, but we can't quite put our finger on it. You know, we, we know that after spending time with this person, we may not feel great, um, but it's hard. To, it's really hard to know what's going on. So that quiz is all about that. And, and the hope is that it helps girls really put their finger on what might not be going right in some of their friendships or what's going really well, you know, so they can score on this quiz that, you know, this looks like a great friendships, you know, but it also will identify this needs some work, you know, and here's what you could do, or, you know, maybe, maybe this friendship is not a right fit right now, you know, and here's how we manage that. So, so you're right. It goes right to the heart of it, which can be hard, um, but is so important, you know, and the reason I really targeted this book to this age range is I, I thought, what? a perfect time to figure out 
how, what to look for for healthy friendships and how to be a good friend, you know, because it gets even trickier as we get deeper into middle school and we get into high school and then we get into romantic relationships, you know, things get really tricky. So what I was trying to do with this book is build these foundational skills and just the awareness, self and social awareness to know what to look for, um, you know, so that we can really start to build that foundation that our relationships are strong and healthy, but to know that that's not always the case, you know, and so when that's not the case, what do we do there? Mm -hmm. So you've created a friendship pyramid, right? So that you can kind of classify um, the levels of friendships. You want to talk a little bit about that and then we can return then to Terry's experience with her daughter on what do we do with that? Yes. And so one thing that comes to a surprise for kids, I've noticed in my program is, you know, we we don't really realize that we're coming to a period in our life where there's going to be a lot of changes in our friendships. You know, um, often when there are changes, one person's ready for the change and the other one might not be. So so it's it's usually an uncomfortable situation. So with the friendship pyramid, I just wanted to illustrate um, this this life cycle of friendships. So at the very tip, the very top of the pyramid is close friends. And that's really small because we now know, you know, as adults that it's hard to find those close friends that we really connect with at a deeper level. Um, so, so that's a small, like tiny tip. And sometimes we even have periods in our life where we might not have that. A lot of middle schoolers feel unsettled because they might be in transition and really wanting to have that, but they haven't found the perfect fit. So that part of the pyramid lists, you know, some of these qualities, you know, feeling really um, safe and acceptance and, you know, you can share deeper feelings and thoughts. But underneath that, you know, a big part of the pyramid is friends. And so this, there's, you know, lots of things fall into this bucket. We've got neighbors, we've got classmates, we've got teammates. These relationships, you know, we, we consider them as friends. It might even be an online friend, um, but there's, we haven't developed that level of closeness. Um, there might, you might not be you know comfortable enough to really share some of your thoughts and feelings. You might not want to share a secret because you haven't built that much trust. But it's really important for kids to know that, you know, there's a lot of kids in that bucket for them. Sometimes they might not feel like they have a close friend, but we as parents, as caregivers can remind them they actually do have a lot of people that they, you know, consider as friends. Even if at this point they are still looking for that close friends, there's a lot of people in that friend bucket and every kid needs, you know, people in that friend bucket. Um, And then at the base of the pyramid, also a large piece is acquaintances. So these are all the people out there that we see in class or we see in town. We haven't met them yet. We really don't, we know who they are. We might even know their name, but we don't really know them. And in the acquaintance bucket, there's all sorts of possibility for new friends. So I think kids find that hopeful, even though it's it's intimidating to figure out how, you know, if you're looking for a change or looking for a new friend, how do you get to know some of these? Um, and there's a whole chapter on that, you know, making new friends. But it's 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 just comforting to know there's a lot of people out there that are possibilities. So running up and down the side of the, the pyramid is change. So what we see happen, especially in the preteen and the teen years, someone might go from a close friend back down to an acquaintance, you know, because some of those transitions we talked about earlier, maybe they have grown in different directions. It's not a fit. Maybe there was some sort of falling out and that feels uncomfortable. You know, how awkward that we had a really close friend that all of a sudden, you know, we barely say hi to in the halls, you know, but that is pretty common. So just putting that out there um, that, you know, that, you know, this is kind of the life cycle of friendships. There's always changes, misunderstandings are common and it's all okay. You know, this is just kind of how we move through relationships as humans. 
I loved the the next section then after understanding for her to understand her friendships. Um, what kind of friend is she? What kind of friend am I? And that was a really great section. It was really insightful. Again, to my daughter, it brought up a lot of tears and that's okay because it was a, a time of growth and discussion. But what she discovered is that um, she's a great friend to people, but she is also very, very, um, she's peacekeeping. She's kind of people pleasing. She's, she's pretty compliant. Her name is Serene. If that tells you anything. And she, she is very, and people really like to be around her. But what she discovered is she doesn't stand up for herself as well as she could. And then we, because you referred to the sections on those I power statements and how to um, address conflict, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that um, as well, because I think that also is pretty common that a kid may get to a point of realizing there's things that are going on that aren't great. And then how do they deal with that? Yes. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. And I love that. I, I have a daughter too, that, you know, when she did that, that same quiz, she realized, you know, where she has the most opportunity to grow as a friend is, is in speaking up. And for yeah. a lot of girls, that's pretty scary, you know, because they so much want to connect. They so much want to fit in that they're afraid if they speak up, um, that could really damage the friendship. So, you know, what I worked on in my programs is how do we speak up in a way that connects and doesn't divide? And, and what I found is this is a learned skill, but kids get it right off the bat. And once they know it, um, you know, it just takes practice like everything. So what we talk about in our groups is, you know, there's this, there's two ways always, or there's many ways to say things. You know, we've got you statements and we talk about I statements. So we could, yeah, I'd, I'd share an example, like you always go first, you know, I'm not going to be your friend anymore if, if you blank. Um, so, you know, that, that is so common, you know, in kid and teen world is, is kind of coming at it with a you statement and maybe a threat or um, a, a criticism of the person. And right there, we've kind of started that conversation with some division. Um, you know, another way to come at that is I feel really frustrated because um, it feels like you're not listening to my ideas. Can I choose next time? Um, so now that starts with, you know, an I statement with my feelings, but that's a lot for kids to grasp. Um, you know, to say that in a way that, that flows takes a lot of practice. Um, you know, so of course it takes time to learn, but when I was sharing this with kids in my program, they got it immediately. You know, we always say, okay, which would you rather have said to you? You know, A, you never blank, 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 or I, I feel frustrated. I would like, and they always, they, they get it right away. You know, they've had both said to them like this. And so we practice that and, and parents can do this at home with their girls too. Um, they can practice this. And sometimes relationships in this age don't even feel safe enough to share their feelings. So if it, if they can't say, you know, I feel frustrated or I feel sad when this happens, I would like if, if that's too vulnerable, they can just skip the feelings and go right to, I would like you to this, please. You know, so just helping them. But 
practicing with them. You know, they can practice in the mirror and it takes time, especially for some girls where speaking up is, is going to be their journey. You know, and sometimes, you know, for us, it's a lifelong journey, you know, so, so she might, you know, over time, you know, give herself little challenges and scenarios where she is going to, she's going to do this. And I know my daughter does that. She actually will like challenge herself in situations and, and, and go for it sometimes, even though it feels so uncomfortable, but she's aware of that. And she, she's aware that, you know, this is something that, that, you know, she can grow and, and become stronger in. And so she's got that on her radar. Yeah. Yeah. So Amy, you were going to ask about, um, yeah, so you different. Hidden- Oh, well, I was, was going to say, what was I going to ask about Terry? <laughs> well, the next, the next thing we had up was conflict and bullying. Oh yeah. So talk to us a little bit um, about the difference between just friendship conflict and bullying and how, how do you encourage kids to respond to each? You know, and the wonderful thing is, you know, since I was a kid, we've done a great job of raising awareness about bullying. Thank goodness. You know, when I was going through middle school, I didn't even know that word. You know, I didn't even know the behaviors associated with or what to do about that. So, so I think it's wonderful that schools and communities have really raised a lot of awareness about bullying. The one tricky side of that is we've raised so much awareness that sometimes things just that are just conflict or struggle get named as bullying. And then we're not responding them in the right way, or we're not giving our kids the opportunity to navigate in a way that would better solve that situation. So, so let's start by, you know, some quick definitions. So bullying. Okay. So a few things in common. Bullying is intentional, you know, so it's intentional. It's, it's pretty aggressive and it's feels one directional. So there's tends to be some sort of power imbalance where the person or the group that is behaving, you know, like a bully um, has more power. It could be physical power. It could be social power. It could be emotional power against someone who is not very likely to defend themselves. And it's repeated. Okay. So that, those are the things it's intentional. It's on purpose. It's pretty aggressive. There's a power imbalance um, and it's repeated. Now, now, if it's cyberbullying, there might not be that power imbalance because sometimes when you get behind a screen, you know, it levels the playing field. Um, but, you know, for more in-person school situations, those things are the components that help define it as bullying. What's much more common is conflict, you know? And so in this situation, it might not be intentional. It might not be repeated. It might not be, you know, purposeful. It might just be some behaviors where people are trying to figure out how to navigate conflict, which is complicated. So it gets messed up a lot. It also might be a situation where um, a group of friends are in a big change, you know, so we start, you know, maybe it's there's some kids that aren't really meshing together anymore. And there's conflict within that group. Um, so it's they're in the, the midst of this change that we see happen in the preteen years. So um, that could be labeled as bullying. But really, what's happening there is some strife and some conflict and some settling out as kids try to find out where they fit and how to treat others well and how to you know expect to be treated well. So for parents, Parents, we can help to make sure that we're not over-identifying things as bullying. And if it, if it seems like it's more of a conflict situation, in those moments, um, we have an opportunity to really help our kids learn how to manage conflict, which is a skill 
that we learn. Okay. And it takes like everything, it takes a lot of practice. So, you know, one of the best things I suggest, you know, for parents and teachers and caregivers is in these moments, you know, really watch ourselves. We don't want to get so emotionally involved that we're, you know, taking over on our own emotional roller coaster. Or we're just throwing out, you know, you know, resolutions or suggestions. We really need to help our kids one manage all those tough emotions. So, you know, be the emotion coach, help them work through those emotions. You know, usually if we can really just listen, let them talk, you know, we get so much clarity as humans if we start to put words to what we're experiencing. So letting them just share and share and you know, we can ask like, oh, is there more? Or let me see if I get this, you know, so really helping them put to words what they're feeling and experiencing. And then once, once it's all out there, you know, we can ask, hey, what are some of your options here? You know, let's just, just throw them out there. What, do you, what could you do in this situation? And so then they start to think through, what, what might I do in this situation? Um, you know, of course, there might be some suggestions there that we're thinking, oh, no, don't do that. You know, but let them get it out there. Let them just think through their options um, and then let them decide. You know, and uh, that's, that's a big one. You know, so we don't understand the complexity of their social world. So we need to, like, give them some leadership to know what is the best way for them to navigate the situation. And oftentimes it might be. They're just going to wait it out and see what happens, you know, because sometimes we don't always respond to everything. You know, that would be so overwhelming if, you know, every struggle and strife we felt like we had to respond to, we pick our battles. So we'll let our kids do that too. You know, you know, how do they want to respond? You know, and sometimes those earlier lessons they've learned, like maybe that they need to speak up. Is this an opportunity that they want to practice that? Or do they want to wait and see and maybe, you know, choose the next opportunity to do that? So, so through that process, we are teaching our kids that they can do this. You know, no, it's not easy. No, it's not comfortable. But they start to build the confidence and skills to know that they can navigate these things. And they know that you are a great sounding board, you know, for how, how they should actually do that. So what is your advice to moms who want to take over the situation? Because we all know those moms who want to pick up the phone and call the other mom or call the principal or the teacher and fix the situation. Yes. What, what say you to that? You know, and I feel like we've all done that, haven't we? Haven't oh, we yeah. all gotten overly emotional? And I, and every time I do, I kick myself. I'm like, oh no, I did it. You know, so so it takes this is a practice for parents. And you know, we're not perfect either. So go easy on yourself. Realize that sometimes we're gonna not do this right. You know, that's just how life is as parents. We are learning as we go too. But as as we get better at this. You know, in those moments when notice first, if we're feeling a big emotion, like, so, so get that in check, you know, so our daughter, or our son is telling us something and we notice this emotional reaction in our, oh, son. our mama bear instincts <laughs> kick oh, in, right? right. <laughs> I'm going to get that kid. Oh my come out. <laughs> yes. We, we start labeling. We start, you know, you know, our mm-hmm. blood pressure is going, it's, we've all been there. So, okay. So let's just accept that. That's part of being a mom. Our, our mm-hmm. love, our kids is so great. That is going to happen. Okay. So, so then let's also just try, let's do what we can to try to remember to ground ourselves. And some, something that I do sometimes, if I notice that I'm about, I'm having a big emotional reaction is I take my focus and I actually like focus my, on my feet on the ground. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like physically 
grounding myself and I'm noticing, oh my gosh, my chest is a little tight. Oh my gosh, I could feel my, you know, just I, I'm listening and I'm, and my daughter does not know I'm doing this inside of my head, but I am grounding myself so I don't get caught on my own little emotional roller coaster. And that, just that little act of recognizing, oops, there I go. I'm having a reaction. Recognizing that lets me get back to, okay, here I am. And my job at this moment is to really ground myself so I can best support my daughter. And I don't always get this right, but, you know, we, we can, I, you know, sometimes I have a little bracelet on. That's my little reminder bracelet, you know, whatever tricks we need to, you know, do for ourselves, we just tap into those tricks and we ground ourselves and we focus back in and we try to keep our mouths closed <laughs> for as long as possible. And the only thing that's allowed to come out of our mouths are questions that are helpful, you know, or, or, you know, empathetic, empathetic phrases like, I'm, I'm so sorry that happened, or that sounds so hard. So, you know, really being so consciously aware, no advice, zip, zip, no advice, no problem solving. You know, I am listening to understand and I am showing compassion and empathy for my child. That's all I'm doing in this moment, you know, and then as that progresses and hopefully that allows them to open and share, maybe later on, much later on, they're open to hearing some suggestions. But, you know, if we can stay focused on staying grounded, you know, listening deeply and showing compassion, um, asking questions, that's the best we can do. And so, you know, we just keep trying to do our best and go easy on ourselves, too. Okay. So is there a point where you should intervene as a parent and take yeah. care of it for your child rather Good. than just teaching them the conflict resolution skills and yeah. letting them try? Great question. And I would say, yes, if you are starting to notice that your child is very isolated. Um, so they really, really are struggling in this area, um, their social world, um, lack of friendships, um, their moods. So if you're noticing that isolation, you know, a lot of really deep, dark moods, absolutely get help. You know, talk to the school counselor, um, maybe talk to the school teacher to see what they're seeing. You know, sometimes we don't see what's happening at school. So um, you could put a note into the teacher that I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about my son or daughter. This is what I'm seeing. Can you tell me if, if you're seeing anything on your end that that I can help with this or that, that we can do to make sure that he or she, you know, is finding friends, is connecting with friends. So Absolutely. You know, this is where the mama bear instinct is super important. You know, we don't want to ignore if our child is really struggling, it is absolutely time to step in. Maybe not time to, you know, step in in a way that is trying to fix it, stepping in a way that's finding the support, you know, that your child needs. Uh, and, and maybe that's connecting him with the right person or getting him involved in other activities or maybe connecting with the school counselor. So yes, you know, definitely step in if, if you are deeply worried about, you know, the well-being of your child. Okay. Excellent advice. I have two practical questions. Thinking of my daughters, um, this is my seventh grader, I'll get to in a minute, but um, my fourth grader, I've noticed that she is making a shift. She's in a shift right now, like you talked about, where um, last year, she, I controlled all, all her play dates and friendships in a sense. And so she had two little friends that were like her best friends. And one of them I, be, I began to notice was a really good influence on her. After she would spend time with this friend, I would notice her practicing more kindness and being more respectful and saying please and thank yous and things like that. Um, she was more peaceful with that friend. 
And then the other friend, when she would spend time with the other friend, she would tend to be more demanding and belligerent and, um, and, and she would get angry sometimes because the other friend was a little, a little bossy to her. And um, I would, I would hear them kind of bickering, even though she really, really wanted to have play dates with that friend. Well, I just quit having play dates. I just was like, oh, sorry, we're not going to, she just can't come over. No, you can't go to the water park with her, whatever. I just, I controlled it, you know? And so that sort of solved itself. Well, she's making a shift now. What do you do as a parent when you see your kid making those shifts and you're not in a position to just kind of control it conveniently dictated anymore when they're making connections with friends that are not good influences and you're seeing yucky things come out? What can we do? Great question. That is a great question. And it's hard to watch, isn't it? You're like, oh, no, you know, this one is worrying me. So this is a tough one for parents. And so as we talked about earlier, kids are going to test out some different identities. There might be something about that friend that is really drawing her. You know, maybe it's the confidence. Maybe, you know, it's maybe something we're not even sure of. So I would start asking about that. I'd be like, you know, what is it about? Let's just call her, you know, Ashley. What is it about Ashley that you're really drawn to? Or, you know, how do you feel after spending time with Ashley? You know, I would, as much as we can, let's just try to have non-judgmental conversations. Because when we get to the preteen years, kids have this amazing, you know, antenna that they pick up on parental judgment of them and their friends, you know, and that just shuts it down. So as soon as they pick pick up that we are starting to judge their friends or we're starting to judge them, it's going to shut down the conversation. So we have to really watch that. But asking some good questions like, yeah, what are you drawn to there? Or, you know, what do you like about so-and-so? And then maybe open that up to, you know, later time, opening up to, you know, what are you really looking for in friendship? Or, you know, so, so just, I would put on your detective hat in, and start to ask questions about that. And she might have to move through that relationship. She might have to test it out. And it might be tough to watch, you know, but until she experiences that, that relationship, can she make a choice whether she wants to be in it or not? And, and that is so hard to hear you know, as a parent that we're like, oh, no, we can't stop that. Um, it's really hard to. Sometimes the more we try to stop that, the more they want to have that relationship. So um, I'd hate to say, but we almost have to let them work through that but use it as an opportunity for conversation um, to really talk about how that relationship is going, you know, conversations about healthy relationships and things like that. Um, Just using it as a learning opportunity for her. If, if, if you can, what do you think about that, Terry? Do you think, what would that work? It sounds hard. (laughs) I know. I know. Because I want to step in with that mama bear mentality and I want to contact the teacher and say, Um, you know, I would really like to make sure that she's not at the same table with this other little girl. Um, cause I'm seeing some difficult things come out, you know, and, and even in her schoolwork and behavior and, and yet, oof, to think that I'm going to have to step back and okay, let her work through it. But your, your, your idea of asking her questions, I have not done that at all. And, and then when she responds to say things like, well, it sounds like she's a lot of fun on the playground or, you know, to, to encourage what she's saying instead of judge, eek, 
We yeah. all do it. So it's okay. But yeah, you try to get a feel for what is she really drawn to there? Because that, you know, she, there's something that is drawing her to this yeah. relationship. And that's just wonderful to know as a parent, like, what is it about this person that she's really drawn to? Um, it also, I think is comforting for parents to know that friendships change a lot during this period. So she might test this out and she might learn some really valuable life lessons from it. Um, you know, I know fingers, cross my fingers, cross, <laughs> you know, and, and um, you know, this is a tough one. So I'm so glad you brought it up. It doesn't mean we have to like do nothing, but, you know, but keep that conversation going. If you do think, see things going really to, to bad places where the influence is really negative, you know, I think it's okay to have a private conversation with the teacher to maybe, you know, put some space there, you know, maybe sit her by somebody else. So, so I am not saying hands off parents. I, I think we watch this, we watch this in a loving, you know, careful way because we're parents and we want to, you know, we want to do everything we can for our kids. So, so it's not totally hands off, but it's a way, but knowing that they're going to grow through these things, even, even the rough parts, you know, sometimes we learn the, the most from our toughest relationships. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from kids that, you know, they really wanted to get in this friendship and then they get there and they're like, oh, oh boy, you know, this is not good. But, you know, fast forward 10 years, the fact that they can recognize a relationship that's not good. Awesome. You know, we all need to, to have that skill to recognize when a relationship is not healthy for us or the other person. Um, that's that's a great skill. And they're learning how to do that in, in their own journey. And it's going to be a bumpy road. Um, it's it's not easy. So I've, I've got three comments to make on this conversation as I've <laughs> sat here listening to the dialogue. So as a former teacher, um, I will tell you that it is very difficult for teachers to play referee in mm -hmm. uh, friendships. And especially because, Jessica, as you said, friendships change and wax and wane. And so this week, there may be conflict between friends and a month from now, they may be besties, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, you, you, you may be struggling with um, a child's mom socially, right? And so there are things behind the scenes that could be happening. And those are the reasons why you're asking the teacher, hey, mm, yeah. could you sit them apart from each other? When once you resolve the, the problem yourself, then the kids can be friends again, right? And so we have to be super cautious about asking teachers to get involved in differences of opinion and differences in morals and diff right? And so I think that if there's some true conflict happening or true bullying happening, then you absolutely would want to involve the teacher. But I would just be super careful about ex those expectations of what yeah. a teacher can manage and not manage that's when good. she's got a classroom of 30 kids. Thank yeah. you um, for sharing that, Dr. Amy. That's so great from the teacher perspective, because you're right. It's way more complicated than what we're seeing on the surface. And it's a tough one for teachers to possibly know everything that's going on there. So yes. thank you. Great thought. Yeah. And then the second thing that I thought of is that um, even though you're uncomfortable with that relationship at school, and I think it's amazing advice from Jessica to let that play out, you know, because you can learn valuable life lessons and social skills and what you do and don't want in a friend. As a parent, you still have complete control over your child's free time, right? And so whether or not you're going to approve a sleepover with that friend is 100% up to you, right? Yeah. Or whether you're going to approve going to the skating rink with that friend is 100% up to you. And so 
you still have the power to limit the amount of time that your child is spending with someone who might be a bad influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Without Absolutely. having to involve the teacher and separating them at school. Oh, yes. yeah. Right. Absolutely. And then my third comment is what a wonderful opportunity to use Jessica's uh, uh-huh. friendship quiz, you know, to help her help your daughter evaluate what type of friend is this? Yeah. Right. You kind of can act as a catalyst in that process of her being getting to evaluate that. Yeah. Yes. And one thing I always, you know, suggest for families is the friendship pyramid, just put it right on your fridge. Cause sometimes we forget, you know, the qualities that we're looking for in close friends. You know, so that clearly says, you know, these friendships are safe and accepting. I'm gonna read at, you know, that you know, they find fair solutions. They um, are trustworthy. So, you know, keeping that kind of just front and center somewhere in the home that, you know, not every relationship is like this, but the ones that we really come to rely on, you know, that our closest friends, it's great to have these qualities and to work on those qualities with those relationships. Um, but um, Dr. Amy, you made me think of one thing that um, when you were saying your, your thoughts is, one thing that I've found helpful too, and you mentioned this, that things change sometimes on a weekly basis, especially, you know, the younger the kids get, you know, as a parent, it's so helpful. I heard this phrase once and I wish I could attribute it to the right person, but it's don't dig for pain. So sometimes, you know, there'll be a conflict and, you know, and we are so worried about it as parents, you know, we're thinking about it. And, you know, every time our, our kid comes home from school, we're like, well, so how was this today? You know, and we keep digging about this situation that they they resolved it a long time ago. It is it is so done. You know, it is water under the bridge, but we are still, you know, rolling through that in our heads. Um, so, you know, one of my parental mantras is don't dig for pain. You know, they are, you know, the kids are really resilient, especially when it comes to friendship stuff and, and the younger they are, you know, the, the quicker they move through things. So it's sometimes us, the adults that are more stuck than they are and what happened. So yeah, don't dig for that. pain. Yep. Um, yeah. Let them, let them heal and move on um, and, and let it go. Let it go. It's no good. Yeah. So I love the idea of putting the friendship pyramid on the refrigerator. And mm-hmm. I believe you have that as a download for on your website, right? A free yes. download for listeners. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I have a I have an, a monthly um, e-newsletter where I talk about all sorts of, you know, just connection at home and friendship stuff for kids. And so in when you sign up for that e-newsletter, one of the PDFs you get is this friendship pyramid, um, which you could just print and put up on your fridge. And, you know, it's just a great reminder because, you know, we're all working on this, aren't we? You know, we're all all trying to be the best friends we could be and to, to make sure our relationships stay healthy. So it, it tends to be a great resource for the whole family. Excellent. Yeah, I thought it was a, yeah, it was a great resource. Serena and I talked about it that not only from the perspective of, Hey, keep in mind, these are the kinds of friends that are in these categories, but it was that reminder of this is the kind of friend you want to be. Yes. Like, are you a good friend to others? And so it would, it's a, it's just a great, a great guide, a great reminder for all of us, for moms, mom friends too, you know? Yes. Oh, I love that point. Sure. Yeah. And I tried to weave that through the whole book. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's looking outward, but equally looking inward, you know, because every relationship is a balance. We have something to bring to, to offer every relationship. So keeping that in mind, when we're always outwardly focused, you know, our relationships are actually harder. You know, when we're a little more self-reflective and self-aware, it's going to smooth out a lot of bumps in the road. So thank you for bringing that up, Terry. So speaking of weaving throughout the book, you wove 
nine friendship truths uh, throughout the book. We need to take a quick break and let Terry read a word from our sponsor, Learning RX. And when we come back, I'd like to hear um, what your favorites are um, from that. Well, let's talk about a few of those. Are you concerned about your child's reading or spelling performance? Are you worried your child's reading curriculum isn't thorough enough? Well, most learning struggles aren't the results of poor curriculum or instruction. They're typically caused by having cognitive skills that need to be strengthened. Skills like auditory processing, memory, and processing speed. Learning RX one-on-one brain training programs are designed to target and strengthen the skills that we rely on for reading, spelling, writing, and learning. Learning RX can help you identify which skills may be keeping your child from performing their best. In fact, we've worked with more than 100,000 children and adults who wanted to think and perform better. They'd like to help get your child on the path to a brighter and more confident future. Give Learning RX a call at 866 Brain01 or visit learningrx.com. That's learningrx.com. And we're back talking with Jessica Spear about navigating friendships. And so um, you you included nine friendship truths throughout your book. Um, and so I want to tell you which one spoke to me um, and then have you speak on that. And then I want you to share what, you know, Great. what your favorites are. Um, okay. So friendship truth number five is that some girls with strong friendship qualities may not have the most friends. Sometimes girls with the most friends do not make the best friends. And a common theme that I see as a counselor um, with teenage girls is that um, they struggle with the idea that they need to have lots of friends in order to feel happy. And so when I saw that, I thought, oh, I have to hear more about why that's a friendship truth. Yes. Um, and and you hit it right on the head. I think um, in the preteen, the teen years, sometimes quantity seems to be more valuable than those, those close friendships. And part of that goes back to being seen and known. You know, we all want to be seen and known as humans. And in those adolescent years, what that often means, well, it must mean that we have a lot of people that want to be our friends. You know, so that brings us into that popularity thing, which we talked about earlier, that not all kids, but some kids are really drawn to. Um, so what I talk to um, kids about with popularity is there's there's different kinds, kinds of popularity. Um, there are some kinds of popular that kids are popular because they are really great leaders. Um, they have really strong values. Um, people trust and know that they're going to do, the, do uh, the right thing. So, so there's that type of popular. And there's another type of popular that, that peaks in middle school. And this is the type of popular where people are kind of afraid of them. They have a lot of social power. And sometimes they use that power um, in not the most positive ways. Um, people are, yeah, they're a little afraid of them. So when kids are talking about popularity, sometimes I, I dive into that with them. I'm like, well, what, what kind of popular is that? You know, so you know, tell me about this person and what why you think they're popular. So they so they can start to understand that, you know, we lump a lot of things into this popular thing. But so some kids are really, really drawn to that. Um, and 
that's okay. They're going to, as we talked about, they're going to, if they're going to go for that and they're going to experience that and they're going to decide whether that's right for them or not, you know, that there's some wonderful lessons there. I can't tell you how many kids I've had come to me later that realize, okay, yeah, once I got there, that was not really a great fit. So, you know, there's great lessons to be had there, but what we forget as, 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 preteens, as we're looking to have lots of friends, um, sometimes we forget some of the girls or, or boys that they might not have the most friends because they're not the ones striving to be out there or striving to, to have the most friends. You know, they're, they're maybe the, the quieter, the gentler. They make great friends. They've got great qualities, but they're not the one, you know, that everybody's noticing for whatever reason. Um, so that friendship truth is all about keeping your eyes out for those, those people. Um, and, you know, just, yeah. So that's, that's a very long answer to your question, but um, you know, that it's not always the kids that have the most friends that are the best friends. Keep your eye out for the ones that have the, the qualities that you like in friendship. Excellent. Um, so which ones do you want to talk about? Which okay, so one that we kind of touched on is truth number three, um, friendships have different phases and change over time. And what I found working from kids is there's a huge sense of relief there. You know, a lot of the kids in my program were in the midst of some changes. And, you know, if we don't know that this is pretty normal and a friendship truth, sometimes we can internalize that, that they don't want to be my friend anymore. So there must be something wrong with me or there's something wrong with this person. So, you know, it can chip away at a person's you know self-worth until we know that actually, no, friendships do have different phases and change over time. And that's okay. So that truth I feel is really important just for kids to know, because if they're about to hit a stage that that's pretty common. Um, one other one that I think happens um, in middle school is friendship truth number four. Close friendships can be hard to find and might not happen till middle school or later. Um, and so what I see in a lot of kids and I've seen it in my daughters is because they're in this transition and they're trying to find out where they're fit, where they fit. It might, there might be a period where they don't know exactly for sure. You know, yes, they have friends. So they got friends, but they're not exactly sure you know, where they fit or doesn't feel close and they haven't built that level of trust or there's been change. So it can feel really unsettling. And I, I bet both of you remember a time in your preteen years where you had a period of, of feeling unsettled, like maybe not having, not sure if you had that. Um, so just again, throwing that out there that that's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, you just haven't found that close fit. In fact, you know, close friends are hard to find. It might not happen till later. Um, now, Terry, have you found that with, with your daughter that she's had some periods of time where she was a little bit unsettled in between, you know, friendships? Yeah, I think um, we've, I've talked about with her and then she sees in her older sister's We've talked about that friendships take time mm -hmm. and that it's really difficult when you're you're in a, a fourth grade class with one friend and then they're not in your fifth grade class or you're on a soccer team with one friend and then the next semester they're not on your soccer team anymore. And that when you when you're an adult, you get to invest in friendships and they take a long time to grow and develop and have value and connection and intimacy. And so it, it is, it has been helpful for my daughter to Serene to see like her older sister, Eliza, who has a very dear friend that she's had since something like third or fourth grade, but that's been through changes and stages yeah. Yeah. and that they sort of fell out of friendship in middle school. But at that time I encouraged her just stick it out, you know, just 
don't get mad, you know, just give it time. Cause I knew that these, these two girls had a lot of the same values and sure enough in high school, they really reconnected again. And now as young women, they are the tightest of friends. And so that's been really good for Serene to see that example and to persevere through the stages and changes. Mm -hmm. I love that example because you're so right. It can, it can circle back. Like there might be a few years where it's not a fit, but Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's growing and changing. We're always growing and changing. And then they came back together. I love that. I feel like the second and the third children, you know, they get so much more, you know, insight just by observing, you know, what's happening with their older siblings. I love Mm -hmm. that. Hey, this is a great segue then to my second really big practical question I have for you. Um, Okay, so when when a a kiddo is kind of stuck with a friend, so for example, Serene has been friends with a gal for quite a while, and we've seen some problems in that friendship, and it has caused her some heartbreak, but on the surface, they have fun together, they have a lot in common, their lives overlap. And there is not an end in sight of their lives overlapping. Yes. So in a sense, she is stuck with this gal. Mm -hmm. And yet there is a sort of a power differential. And so Serene tends to be uh, run over by this gal sometimes, not bullied, but she doesn't get her turn to have an opinion. Um, And and she feels uncared for. Anyway, she's, she's gone through seasons of heartbreak. And I don't know what to say to her when she's she's going through this book and realizing this isn't a very healthy friendship, but she's stuck with it. Yes. How do I advise her when she's stuck with it, but it's really not ideal? I love, I'm so glad you asked that because that is something that we all learn to navigate. You know, so she's getting this this opportunity, you know, that she will, she'll experience that again and again, you know, later on, she might be in a workplace where there is a really difficult person, but they have to work together every day. So this is super important for for parents to realize that what the situation she's in is super common. You know, kids sometimes go, you know, they'll be in the same class or the same school or same sport all the way through high school, you know, so there is no, there's no getting away from this person. So I think, Handling it delicately is a great skill, you know, instead of like throwing a bomb on that and then making it really uncomfortable. Um, so what I would say to her is, you know, on that friendship pyramid, that we have that friend, that friend bucket where there's lots of imperfections there. There's no perfect friendship, even in our close friends at the top, but there's lots of imperfections with the friend bucket. Again, those are the neighbors, the classmates, the teammates, you know, we know them, we see them, we feel comfortable with them. Um, but we might not share as much as we would with a close friend. We might not share our feelings as much. We might not share our ideas, you know? Um, So I think she's learning to keep a little bit of a boundary there, you know? So she realizes she's not going to get away from this person really, but she can not divulge a lot about herself. She can choose to spend her free time in the ways that she would like to. Um, But I think she's learning how to navigate that gracefully, which is such a beautiful skill. It's, it's, it's an important skill for her to learn and, and that will serve her in many areas of life. Well, this is this, your book has really brought that to the forefront uh, of our conversation and for her to explore. So 
I'm really grateful for it. I would really oh. encourage readers, oh, readers, listeners, encourage thank listeners you. to be a reader of this book, to dig in and um, see if this is something that you can really put out there for your daughter so that you can begin discussing these, these hard issues and dig into them. Well, I love that you guys did it together because that was my dream. You know, you put the book out there, you never know it's going to happen. But my dream was that, you know, mothers and fathers or grandparents would do it with their daughters because then you have a, a framework to work through. You know, you have a place to start the conversation. You can remind each other, well, hey, remember this friendship truth? You know, so I love that you did that. And, and you know, just one more thought on that question about, you know, these friends that you, you can't get away from. Um, I think it's so, you know, for, for sometimes for parents are like, well, why are you still in that friendship? Because they can't get away from that, you know? So, so sometimes our simple response, like, just don't be friends anymore. That's, that's really hard when you sit next to that person every day in science class. So we, as parents need to be aware that they're navigating situations. We don't actually have to navigate quite in that way as adults. You know, we have a lot more space to put boundaries as adults than they do sometimes as kids, but helping them learn those simple steps they can do knowing that this is not a friend that's ever going to grow anything, you know, close to a close friendship. Um, you know, and what do I do to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of myself in this relationship. So great, great example. I'm so glad you brought that up. Well, I think <laughs> it's a good opportunity to teach the life skill that you can be friendly without yeah. being friends, right? That, that, mm. that person could move down the pyramid into an acquaintance category, right? Um, yes. While you, I mean, you want our, we want our children to be friendly to everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you can yes. still practice those social skills and um, be respectful and be friendly and acknowledge them when they speak to you, but without being intimate and without being um, friends or yes. close yeah. friends or being too yeah. vulnerable. I think mm-hmm. for her, it's an issue of she really, really wants to be friends with this person. She wants this to be one of her best friends. She's, she's not repelled by this person, but so she just keeps getting heartbroken over and over again. And so it's, it's advising her to, yeah, be friendly, be friends, but also protect your heart. You know, maybe let's, let's not say yes to the sleepovers. Let's not say yes to all the extra time spent together and just, just put, you know, put some safety net there um, to protect her heart. I'm so excited she learned that because, you know, you know, for her who has this big open heart, loving heart, yay, 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 that she, she got to experience that at that young age, because that will serve her, you know, that will serve her. So wonderful. Yay. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So Jessica, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with that you haven't had a chance to talk about today? Oh, well, it's been so, so fun chatting with you. And thank you for having me. And thank you for all the work you do. What a wonderful resource for parents. Um, You know, the only thing I would share is that, you know, go easy on yourself. You know, you we're all doing the best we can and we're learning as we go. I know, I know for myself, I'm doing a much better job with this, you know, since on my second child and since I wrote a book. <laughs> but prior to that, there were a lot of bumps in the road. I learned some great lessons. So we are all doing doing the best we can, you know, just, just keep doing that and just loving and accepting your kids as much as you possibly can, because that's what matters the most. Great advice. Great advice. So this has been a wonderful conversation with Jessica Spear. 
um, we just want to thank you for taking your time, um, sharing your heart with us today and with our listeners. Um, hey, listeners, if you would like to connect with Jessica or learn more about her work, you can visit jessicaspear.com. That's S-P-E-E-R.com. You can find her on Instagram at Jessica underscore Spear underscore author and on Facebook at Jessica Spear author. And we will put um, all of her social media handles, including those in the show notes, along with a link to her book, BFF or NRF, Not Really Friends, A Girl's Guide to Happy Friendships, which you will also be able to find under the Brainy Books tab on our website, brainymoms.co. So look, we really appreciate you being a listener. If you love our show, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd rather watch us, we are on YouTube. You can find us on social media at The Brainy Moms. So look, until next time, you're busy moms and we're busy moms. So we're out. See ya.